Welcome to the Transform Podcast. I am here again with my buddy PJ Arsvald, and we answered this question last week that we're going to pick up part two, um, and it's this. Since truth is relative, can't I just live out the golden rule? Uh, but anyway, I think we have an inability to keep God's commandments. You know, so if we just go down the line from the first to the tenth, mm-hmm. we're falling short on each one, PJ. Yeah. And we can't just be righteous by living out the golden rule, because we're not. And then here's what we have to reckon with. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says, Even when we do good works, it says that our righteous deeds are like filthy rags <laughs> because of motives and self-glory and self-promotion and selfish ambition. And so it's like God is saying we fall short of his glory and we need to be reconciled to him. Yeah. And so can you comment on that need that we have to be reconciled to God? Yeah, well, like you said, um, we all on our own, we have this gap. We're, we're separate from God. We're alienated. And that's where, um, this is one of the things that makes Christianity so different and so interesting is that we are not sinful people trying to figure out how to get ourselves right. We're not just trying to go listen to the right sages to tell us the path to God. The Christian message is that God saw people broken and far off and said, I'm going to go get them. And so for Christians, the reason why we believe the truth that we believe is because God in the form of his son Jesus took on flesh and came to earth and revealed himself and so he didn't just claim hey I know how you can get to God I know how you can become a better person he said I am God mm-hmm. he said follow me worship me um, at one point his disciples say you know how do we know the way and he says I am the way the truth truth we're talking about and life and so as Christians it all comes back to Jesus and okay. everybody no matter what your experience, your subjectivity, has to deal with the question, is Jesus who he says he is? Is he the son of God, the way, the truth, and the life? Or is he just a lunatic liar who had an ego like no other? Right, so I think you're nailing it right now because this is what's being missed in this question, is who did Jesus claim to be and how are we gonna deal with that? Mm -hmm. And you, you said, he said about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you need to accept my death and my resurrection for your sins if you want to be in a right relationship with my Father. And he said, when you see me, you see the Father. And so he's basically saying, I am coming not to tell you how to get to God. I am coming to, as God, to find you. Yeah. I'm coming to reveal this all to you. So you're... What you are going with is what's what we call divine revelation. Mm-hmm. So divine revelation now is telling us that the truth is not relative. Truth being relative would mean, well, there's many, there's many revelations. Yeah. But Jesus is saying, I am. Period. Yeah. And not only do you need to come and get your salvation through me, but... I also am going to come again to be the judge of the living and the dead. Yeah. So he's making some astonishing claims that no one else has made. And so we have to, as a human, as humanity, we have to make a decision about who we're thinking he is. Yeah. You have to deal with that. Yeah. So, and you know what? 
this is just a kind of a side note, PJ. Yeah. Is I kind of think that the person that's saying, since truth is relative, can't I just live out the golden rule? It sounds good, but I believe they don't want to be accountable to making a decision about Jesus. Yeah. Because guess what? You're not only saved, but then you have to be accountable to live as a follower of Jesus. And you can't just live however you want, as long as it meets your standards of love. You're going to have to follow him now. There's expectations, there's requirements that this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. You know, deal with it. And man, that's pretty hard. You know, yeah, it is. Yeah. So that's what I see. Because I feel like this question just gets you off the hook. Yeah. Since truth is relative, can I just live out the golden rule? Uh, No. No, that's actually not the case. I know you want to be off the hook here. Yeah. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm calling you to a full life. I'm calling you to an abundant life. I'm calling on you to, uh, I want to redefine uh, how you see a lot in life, how you Mm -hmm. see money, possessions, your time, your talents, your treasures, relationships. I want to redefine all of it. And you know what? I don't think everybody really wants that. I think they want to do what they want to do. Yeah, I think you're right there. It's easier. And we look at scripture and you see this play out. You think of the book of Judges and this is before they have a king and they're all listening to God. And yet what ends up in the book of Judges happening is at the beginning, end of the book, you hear this refrain that at that time everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so people, what seems right, this seems right. And throughout that book, things just get worse and worse until there's some terribly heinous acts that you you look and you're like, how in the world did this happen? And it's because Everyone's just doing what seems good for themselves and nobody's listening to God's commands, his mm-hmm. way. And, you know, it's interesting in this mm. postmodern relativistic time, there's been a, a re-emphasis on the power of narratives and shared stories. And in the Christian circle, this has um, been true as well. And being clear, that there's, there's a grand story of what God has done with his people, what God has done with creation. And that story being brought into it means that there's certain expectations for what does life look like as God's people? You know, it's not just do whatever. Um, yeah. You're now, you're not the center. And this goes back to even why modernity, the, the idea of centering on the self was even in some ways dangerous and wrong is because as Christians, we are, live a God-centric life. First and foremost, what would God have me do? And so that's where the whole movement, what would Jesus do? Um, had some good things to it. And, you know, asking yourselves, how do I want to be treated? How can I treat others that way? But we also alongside need to ask questions like, how would God have me treat this person? What do they need to hear? Um, sometimes they need to hear something tough. Sometimes they need to hear something comforting. Um, but mm-hmm. asking ourselves, God-centrically, what would God have me do with my life? How would mm-hmm. He have me treat this person that He's put in my path? Yeah. So I think uh, one thing I want to extract from what you said there is, man, there could be no end to relativism. Like, where, where, where is the ending point to it? Yeah. It could lead to whatever we want because since truth is relative, each generation can make up truth for themselves and make up what's right and wrong for themselves. So where, where does it end? And I think I'm, I was struck by the story of, uh, of a professor and a student who uh, the student wanted to write a paper to prove relativism to his professor. Mm. So the professor comes back to the student and says... I give you an F. And then the student says, why do you give me an F? I worked really hard. I did everything you said to do. And I am proving that relativism is just fine. And then the professor said, 
But for me, in my viewpoint, <laughs> it's enough. And then the student was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, what the professor is saying there is, if truth is relative, I can give you enough mm. because it's my truth. Yeah. And my point in that whole kind of narrative and going off of what you said with the story of Judges, which, you know, the Bible is, you know, written a long time ago there with that story, but it's timeless truth for us to hear today. Like, my gosh, where will it end, PJ? Yeah. If we just think truth is relative, where would that lead to different societies? It could, it, my point is it could be a never ending downward spiral. Yeah. Well, I think you see a breakdown in just the way we talk to people now. Like, it, it's hard to have any sort of shared ground um, to have a conversation now because everything's kind of, you know, this is my truth. And so you can't tell me that's wrong. And I think that's where relative truth and relative or subjective experience can be kind of distinguished is yeah. I can say this was really hard and, and I can share my experience. I think that's good. And we should share each other's experiences and learn and mm-hmm. grow and ask questions. But as soon as you start to make that in and of itself truth that can't be touched because you don't have my subjectivity, we have no place to talk anymore. You know, who are mm-hmm. you to tell me that this isn't right? Who are you to tell me mm-hmm. that this isn't wrong? Yeah. We've lost any sort of shared value norm story to, to base it off of. Right. And so I think that's huh. important to acknowledge. We do have different experiences, but we need mm-hmm. to be able to have conversations. And right. just because I have an experience doesn't mean you can't tell me your experience or your thoughts on my experience. Um, obviously, we always yeah. want to do that with love, but sure. um, there needs to be dialogue. There needs to be some sharedness there. Yeah. So, PJ, any other thoughts that you wanted to add to this? Yeah. Well, again, this is where, as we just talked about distinguishing kind of some subjectivity, I think it's important as we've acknowledged that there is a reality of subjectivity in life. We're going to see things through a lens. You can't escape that. You, no, yeah, that's you, a good point. Yeah, your people, your culture, your background, they're all going to inform how you see the world. And so this is not saying that that doesn't exist. And I think even within you know, following God's commands, when you think about how does God want me to live, um, there's room for... There's room for, I'll say, negotiation. So, for instance, Scripture is very clear that you should discipline your children. So that's part of a parent's job is not to just let them do whatever they want, but to have some sort of discipline. Hopefully there's some. Yes, hopefully there's some. <laughs> yes. It can go really bad. And we've seen people who have not been disciplined and just kind of think yeah. they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Now, for each given parent, each given family, for each given kid even, that discipline might look different. Mm-hmm. You know, for one kid, it might be, you have to, you know, give a very stern timeout or something. For another kid, it might be as simple as you just tell them that was wrong and they just melt, right? Because for them, that that resonates. And so there's room to kind of take that same command, you know, discipline your children, teach them God's ways, raise them right, and to figure it out kind of with your context, who you are, the time, place you, and, and who the kids are. Um, so there is some room for specializing for each person, um, but the mm-hmm. general broad strokes of how God wants to live. And like you said, the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. you shall not steal, that still applies. Um, God's commands take care of the poor, though. How does that look like? Is that a welfare program? Is that a church fundraiser? Is that individual charity? All mm-hmm. of those are reasonable answers, and those right. are the kind of conversations we can engage in and talk about. Good point. So I think, I mean, you make a good point in that everybody's going to have their experience, but then God in His revelation is going to give us some guidance. Yes. Uh, in a broad, with broad sense. And then we get a lot of freedom in how we carry that out and what's going to be the most effective. 
Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. He gave us an intellect and reason to sort this stuff out and to talk to experts and especially our church. We're not doing this alone. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, but I guess what I would find comfort in and knowing that the higher power has given us some guidance. Yeah. Because man, we are prone to mess things up. <laughs> we really are. We are. We need some guidance and God's given a lot. And that's what I'm comforted by with our God. Um, you know, and finally, PJ, I want to ask you this. So if, if, if someone's listening today and they're like, how do I answer the question when I get it? Do you believe Jesus is the only way to salvation? Because that is an offensive uh, answer if we just say yes to people today. Yeah. Um, and I think like if you watch interviews on the news, you know, they try to put Rick Warren on the spot or Joel Osteen or Mark Driscoll or whoever. And they always try to, uh, I think even, yeah, there's been other politicians that have been put on the spot. Yeah. Do you believe Jesus is the only way to salvation? And if they say yes, the assumption is, is that person is a narrow-minded, even bigot type of thinker. Sure. So I guess what would be a winsome way to respond to that question as Christians um, that comes off in a very gracious fashion? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it is, it's something that even as Christians, I think we're uncomfortable with. I think we would all love to say, no, yeah. you can do whatever you want. Cause yeah. Because I think we should acknowledge it is. As long as you're a certain... good person, you're good. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, just do your best and it'll all be fine. Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge that there is a, at least perceived um, sense of arrogance that, you know, how can you say that you are the, you have the only way? That yeah. all these other people in other parts of the world, the country with different viewpoints are, are wrong. And I think, like you said earlier, I think it's just important to highlight, as Christians, we are not claiming that we have done anything right. As Christians, I am not saying yeah. that I, I am smarter than you. I'm not saying that I'm morally more righteous than you. What I am saying is that God sent His Son Jesus for all of us. Hmm. And I was confronted with that message, and I believed. You know, by God's grace, I believed. Hmm. And that's where it's so helpful to remember that you know, the image of scripture often uses is that we're spiritually dead. And so I think yeah. of a corpse on the ground, a corpse can't bring itself to life. And God comes in, brings us to life. And it's not that we've done anything. Yeah. And so the message is not we Christians are smarter, better, uh, more morally right. It's God has graciously done this thing for us. And he also has done it for you too. And we want you to believe that. Um, and again, that has implications for how you live. But this yeah. is a free gift that we've received. I did nothing, yeah. and God wants you to have that gift too. He's, he's okay. holding it out. He's trying to give it to you. All right. So I think what I highlight there from your response is you're really pointing people to Jesus and yeah. what he has done rather than just this black and white answer, but you're pointing them to Jesus. Definitely. And I think one way that has helped me with people to answer the question is this is the way that I know that has been revealed mm. through Jesus' death and resurrection. And I know you're wondering, well, what about all those people in the world that have never heard the gospel? And I guess the answer that I've always given that has kind of maybe relieved some people is this. That's God's problem. Hmm. God needs to and will make a just decision about those people. But our responsibility is to say, this is the way you've revealed this is the way I know, and this is the way that you've given me to share. So Yeah, well, it goes with, um, like you said, just sharing kind of what we know. The disciples were given the command to be God's, be Jesus' witnesses. 
and we're witnesses. We report what we've seen, what we've experienced. Here's what I've been told. Here's what Jesus has done for me. Here's what he's done for you. And yeah. kind of put it on the other person to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, PJ, for coming on the show today. And if you're listening, I would just really encourage you, if you've been blessed by this message today and you want to encourage it with one of your friends, one of your enemies, one of your coworkers, one of, I'm just kidding, whoever, um, go ahead and share it. And we appreciate you tuning in and your support uh, to this podcast. Take care and see you next time.